So what's up? This is the Jay and Mike episode of Content Content. I'm here with my very good friend, Jason, who I, I can't wait to talk to because he has some massive jewels and insight into into a lot of stuff. And um, it's going to be really cool. I'm super excited. And I, I wanted to make sure I, I put on some authentic hip-hop beat from the 90s that I made. Uh, this one's uh, from when I was doing stuff with official joints because I know that that is the heart and soul of the hip-hop that Jason loves. It is. So, so I'm going to fade this out and uh, we can jump right in. So what's up, Jay? How's it going? Good, man. Um, so I, I know Jay for a long time, I think since high school pretty much. Yeah, going back probably 30 years at this point, yeah. huh? Yeah. yeah, and um, Jay's gone from you know he he's evolved into what he's doing now. A long process, you know. Uh, first met Jay, uh, he was promoting clubs, and uh, this was like in the nineties. And um, let's let's not, let's let's really date ourselves. Probably nineteen ninety. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's very accurate. Nineteen ninety. Yes. Yep. That's that sounds about right. And. Um, Basically, uh, why I'm so excited to talk to you right now during this time, um, because you have a company called Culture Design Inc. LLC, LLC, technically. LLC, okay. Well, helping people become change agents for social good and sustainability. And like right now in the world, you know, what's going on, I mean... It's crazy, and one of the one of the people that I love to you rarely post stuff on social media, but when you do, it's super interesting. It's always like a little bit ahead of the curve, and it, it always makes me think, you know. And you're you're like you know someone I respect, a really smart person, and I feel like if anyone can can throw some jewels out there. For people in this situation right now, um, is definitely going to be you, and that's kind of like what content content is is basically um, just to like fill you in on on what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's is not uh, how to be successful. It's not how to be on top of the world. It's not um, how do you get to your goal. It's where you are right now. How do you be content? And we try to make content to help you to do that. Yes. So it we feel, you know, we were doing this like a, l- a little bit before all this happened, trying to get ready to do this. And it fits perfectly into now because we don't know what's going on. We don't understand. There's millions of information, you know, different f- from every angle, from you want to go to science, you want to go to politics, you want to go to religion, you want to go to, you go down the road no one's agreeing. No one knows. And, and the truth, truth I feel is that no one completely knows. And I think that's frustrating people. And um, I actually, I want to play a little something just to, I'm going to try something out that I'm going to try to do. Just to kind of kick off, because um, you were one of the first people I heard talking about this. And we're going to listen to Obama's uh, spit the lyrics to one of our favorite songs. Here we go. 
pull this back to level up. And here we go. I, I could almost leave him on that beat too. <laughs> I wonder how that would work. Let's, let's do it. Let's do a DJ Shock mix. Let's do it. Here we go. We'll bring it back, Mike. We'll, you know, we're back in the studio. All right, here we go. Samples. This is my Obama <laughs> remix. You ready? Yep. This album is dedicated to all the teachers who told me I'd never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling in front of. Called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. And all the niggas in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? It's all good, baby, baby. So it I got Obama in here. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and Pepe and Heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic, Marley Moore. I let my tape rock till my tape pop, smoking weed and Bambi, sipping on private stock. Way back <laughs> when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rap and Duke. Dear heart, dear heart. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. All right. Who is that? <laughs> so you know where I'm going. I'm going into um, this whole thing. Yeah. You were one of the first people uh, talking about that I knew uh, the the deep fake. That's deep fake. Mm-hmm. That's deep fake. I mean, I have videos to match the voice. Jay Z is actually suing uh, one of these guys because I mean, if you listen to the Jay Z one and you know you check YouTube it, I mean, it sounds dope as Jay Z, and they 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 even made other lyrics. And no wonder he's suing them because if you can do that, then what's going to happen to him? You know? Yeah. Um. So we were already in this crazy changing world where i can make a video of uj saying whatever the hell i want um ever since uh you know uh, trump came in the the cognitive dissonance is just crazy to this is before this happened jay well yeah and i would argue that there's the cognitive dissonance has been around long before trump right that's what i'm saying so it's before <laughs> so it's before yeah. So now that we're in this situation, you know, you, you, you know, you basically, I'm going to throw something up too. I'm trying to like set you up. I'm trying, trying yeah, to. Yeah, like, that's fine. Helping people become change agents for social good and sustainability. I mean, this is, this is your wheelhouse, bro. Yep. Like what is happening right now. So I'm in a second, I'm just going to shut the hell up. And I'm so interested to hear what you have to say. And I, I think I set it up as much as I possibly could. And it, it's all yours, Jay. No, listen, thanks, Mike. The um, And, you know, I mean, especially, you know what? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a different uh, spin on this one, just given our history and also just giving our roots in, in hip hop, right? Yeah. So first of all, you know, when we talk, before you can even get to being a change agent for social good and sustainability, you have to start with yourself, Right. And, and what you're re- what you've been really kind of talking around is about building your personal resiliency. And I just I define resiliency as thriving amid change. Right. Mm-hmm. Being able to be agile and adaptable to the future that's unfolding in front of you. Yeah, right. Like and so I've I've taken a very um, long journey, you know, over the past couple of decades to finding my own sense of purpose and to build my own personal resiliency. And that journey started. Um, you know, back when we met, I mean, this goes, goes right back to, you know, our teenage years. And, you know, (laughs) when you think about the New York that we grew up in, right. When you think about the New York of the eighties and the nineties, I mean, it was, you know, you saw 
disparity in your face. Yeah. Right. You saw marginalized groups of people that were just kind of being forgotten about. And, you know, we, you know, growing up in that time, you know, it's like anything else. You don't know when you grow up in something, you don't know any different. Right. So for us, that was kind of our normal. Yeah. You know, we can look at today, you know, New York today and look back to the New York of then and go, wow, a lot has changed. But yeah. we, realize we don't really feel the change as we're going through it. It isn't until we kind of look back and go, wow, look at how different things are. Right. When you kind of have that, that, that contrast, you know, and I think, you know, you know, if you remember in those days, I mean, I was in the streets a lot. I was out promoting clubs, handing out flyers. Like I pretty much was trooping around the entire city. You know, Dude, I always bumped into you. I mean, you had your backpack. You were, you were always a hard worker, like since day one, since I first met you. And I think, you know, for me, obviously, you know, growing up in a small town of Cornwall, you know, up in, up by Newburgh and West Point area, you know, I think, you know, you know, in growing up in that environment, you're, you're ready to break out, right? You have all these ideas, you're coming of age. And obviously the city is, you know, is, is very attractive um, for that, for that reason. And I think a lot of my work ethic, even then, that really does carry through today, um, was really around this idea that I wanted something bigger, right? I was striving for something more. And the city was just that playground to really afford that opportunity. But, you know, my, you know, where I'm kind of going with, you know, spending all that time in the streets is it's it's you start to you start to make connections you start to under you start to ask yourself you know why are you know why are some people treated differently from others you know why does it seem like the system is only serving as a few and the rest of are, are, are out there just struggling on their own trying to find their own way and so I had this sense early on that just something's not right in the world like and I didn't have the vocabulary, I didn't have the tools, I didn't really understand how all the pieces connected and yeah. the influences that they had on each other. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just knew something was wrong, right? And you know, like you know, like many people, as you know, as I as I kind of moved out of the music industry and got into the internet business early on in the uh, you know in the in mid nineties, I started you know obviously with the internet, you know, you start to really see how people start to connect and how people you know and how the internet really broke down the 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 physical boundaries around countries and cultures and you know and I, I started to realize like well you know if this is a, such a great way to communicate such a great way to connect with each other and I was very you know very optimistic about the the path of that this can really start to to, to bridge some of the bigger divides that we have um, you know flash forward to where we are now yeah you know we're still kind of we're still kind of sorting it out but I think in the bigger picture that there is this greater way of kind of connecting um with people and you know i had a very successful career um with our other great friend jason heller right yeah, him uh, up here too. yeah and uh and and so you know we, we we achieved some great success but you know i remember you know even in in 1999 when we were just kind of launching our, our first company mass transit out of our apartment in brooklyn this was like dot-com boom days right yeah you know, the the you know money was being poured into dot-coms um, and, you know, I think, you know, we were looking at companies that we were doing business with that were getting these huge valuations on Wall Street. And I remember we would have conversations like, how are they valuing this company for so much money? It just doesn't make any sense. Like we do business with them. We know they don't get that much people to their website. We know they don't offer that much value, you know, yet they're being valued at hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. But what do we know? Right. We're just a couple of ignorant street kids from, the, you know, from the music industry, you know, right. So who, who are we to, you know, they must know something that we don't. Yeah. Um, a year and a half later, the bubble busted and, we, and the, everything collapsed and we entered into the 2001 recession. 
uh, followed by coming right off of that 9-11, right? And it does give you pause. It does start to have you question your sense of purpose. And what are we really working for? I mean, those, you know, trying to rebuild, you know, mass transit after the bust and then ultimately to when we sold the company in 2005, those were some of the most difficult years of my life. Um, you know, aside from, you know, you know, Michelle, you know, so I worked my Michelle, my ex, my ex wife, who was also my business partner for many years, um, you know, during that five year period of time between 2001, and 2006, we got married, we got divorced, bought a house. My mother had a brain aneurysm, moved in with us. Um, we were struggling to rebuild mass transit up. Um, and it was just, it was the most stressful years of my life. And after we sold the company, um, I remember, J you know, Jason Heller, you know, walking out of um, uh, Horizon's office after meeting with the CEO and their lawyers to sign the paperwork. You know, he was, he knew how miserable I just was and how unhappy I was. And, and, and every, I was just deteriorating. I mean, I was smoking two packs a day. I was gaining so much weight. It was just, I was just not physically or mentally in, in a healthy place. And, you know, as a friend, you know, we had always said, no matter what happens with business, we'll never let it impact our friendship. And, and I always, we always valued that because don't get me wrong, as business partners, I mean, you were business partners with Jay at one point too. I mean, you're just, it's just natural that as partners, you're bumping heads, right? Yeah, there's yeah. there's going to be that friction. Different ideas, different directions. Different ideas. And obviously when you're younger too, it's just different, right? You don't have the, the, the maturity that you have in later years, right? But we always, have, we always, we always valued our, our friendship first and foremost. And granted, during those periods, at that period of time, I wasn't emotionally mature. Right. I was, you know, I was struggling so much and acting out and, and, and having anger management issues. And so I credit Jay for, for being able to just tolerate that. And then, you know, and I remember, you know, him saying to me coming out of that office after the deal was signed, we've fulfilled our obligations as business partners to each other. You know, as your friend, I just want you to be happy. And so whatever you choose to do, you have my support. And I, I love Jay and I will value Jay for that. Just that, that one moment. Yeah, that's, you know, that that's, walk back that's huge. That's was huge. huge. That's and, huge. you know, and at that point I, I decided to say, all right, I need to focus on my own personal well-being. And so when we talk about, you know, being sustainable, the first thing is sustaining yourself mentally, physically, right. And emotionally. And so I started on this pathway to really kind of thinking about, you know, what is my purpose? What, what is the impact that I want to have in the world? And I really define purpose as aligning your needs, values, and aspirations with the impact that you want to have in the world and, 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 and acquiring the skills, knowledge, and ex expertise to fulfill that vision. And so Hold I started- on. Hit us with that one more time because we're big on vocabulary at Content Content. We might just rip that off of you. Sure. It's just part of the game here. Sure. You may so see- a, uh, Go ahead. Hit, that, hit us with that again. Sure. Purpose is aligning your needs, values, and aspirations with the impact that you want to have in the world and acquiring the skills, knowledge, and expertise to fulfill that vision. All right. Nice. So, okay. you know, at that time I had, uh, you know, I was, I was still consulting and doing digital marketing stuff, but don't get me wrong. I had a great, it was a great lifestyle business. Um, so it was great. I mean, I wanted to bring in Michelle, my ex-wife back on board as my business partner in that business. But we, you know, because of the stresses that we had endured in those years, um, we just wanted to be happy. We just wanted to find create a fulfilling business for us. And and don't get me wrong, for the for the whatever it was the years, the five or this 
Oh, actually, I was Burnham Marketing was nine years. So Burnham Marketing. So that was a great lifestyle business. I worked, you know, made sure I focused first and foremost on my mental and physical health. I was very fortunate that I was able to work like 30 hours a week. If I wanted to take off and go bike riding in the afternoon, I would do that. Um, and while, you know, but I was good at what I did, but it didn't really fulfill me. And it wasn't until 2009 that I started really getting into the area of psychometrics. Um, and, and for anybody that doesn't understand what psychometrics is, it's really being able to measure um, mental models, uh, the way, people's psychology and how that translates into behavior and being able to understand the relationship dynamics between people and also then how that plays out into bigger systems like cultural systems, organizational systems, right? So it allows you to really understand sure. the individual into, in the context of, an, of a social system. And so I started to really play in that. I formed a couple of joint ventures with a couple of other companies um, to really kind of bring psychometrics to market. And during that period of time, you know, I just realized that, wow, you know, I'm using this, I'm using these tools as a means for marketing and essentially basically understanding people at the cognitive levels to get them to market a message, to persuade them to buy more crap that they don't need and just really feeding this mass consumerism type of, culture. So kind of like uh, manufacturing consent. Exactly. So, and I felt that, you know, at that time, and this is now, keep in mind, this is 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. I just remember thinking to myself, all right, if we're getting to a place where we're influencing people at the cognitive levels, I mean, one day we're, we're manipulating them to buy products and services. Well, the next day we're going to be manipulating them based on getting them to, uh, conform to a certain ideology right and my big and, and the same tools apply and i mean when you look at marketing marketing is a form of social engineering you would yes. say, right and i so, think that's when me me and you started to talk on this level because i was were well i still am working at the un and i would see meetings about social engineering and i think that I, uh, if i remember correctly one day i kind of threw that term out at you and you're like yes that's exactly and and we really got into a good talk because I understood it a little bit from doing sound on on some of those meetings about that. Sure. So the um so funny funny you bring up the UN. And at that so at that time, um, one of my mentors, John Fury, who was the founder of this company, MindTime, which is uh, they were the ones that created the model around the psychometrics that we were using. He had been partnering with this guy John Elkington who. For for everybody's purposes, John Elkington was considered one of the most. Um, it was like number fourth influential person in the field of sustainability, like right behind Al Gore. And so he, you know, and John Elkington had been publishing a paper around how to leverage the mind time science as a means to assess organizations' future readiness and their resiliency, right, and being adaptable. And that kind of right at that point, that just sparked everything for me. At that time, I had been really kind of finding my purpose and really thinking about where do I want to go with my work. And so I started volunteering at the UN. So I started uh, bringing okay. this form of psychometrics to the UN um, and really started volunteering as a social innovation strategist and change management consultant um, for, the, for, the, for the UNDP and, and really helping them think about the transformation within their own organizations around becoming more sustainable, being more resilient. And through that work, um, it really started my path towards change management and cultural design and transformation. And for everybody's purposes, what that essentially means is 
you know, being able to facilitate and develop strategies for organizations to be able to manage through any type of massive, massive change or disruption or to uh, implement a shift in mindsets and behaviors within their within the organization um, to get employees to behave in a certain way, whether it's to improve the customer experience, to be more innovative, to be more collaborative. It's a form of social engineering. However, this is the difference, right? So I always kind of say culture design is really the, a few of my mentors we used to joke around and say, you know, the work that the work of culture design is really the, the justice league for behavioral science. Right. And so, so when you look at social engineering, um, I would say the difference between manipulation and influence is transparency and intention. So with manipulation, you're looking out for your own self-interests. You're trying to manipulate the other person or groups of people to satisfy your needs, not at the sacrifice perhaps of their own. And you're really trying, you're not really being transparent with that. And ultimately in that process, you don't have their best interest. So your intention is purely self-centered. So it's like social engineering with a conscience. Yes, sort of. So it's, it's interesting. Like, so the, a lot of the work that I focus on is how to build socially conscious organizations and socially conscious cultures as a means for to drive this, to support the sustainability agenda. Because I believe that social consciousness is that pathway to being more empathetic, to building more authentic relationships, to operating in a more transparent way, to, to being vulnerable and to be a servant leader, right? And so the, you know, from an influence standpoint, it's not about um, being secretive with your intentions. It's actually about being very open with it. You know, so if I want to convince you of something, I'm telling you what my intentions are. But at the same time, I'm not um, I'm not holding on to my, you know, my my conviction. Right. It's I'm trying to understand what your needs are, what your values are, what your aspirations are. And then let's work together and co-create that future together. Right. I can, I can translate that to giving a shit. Care. Yeah. So even yeah. at our organizations, the, but yes, giving the shit, if we want to go back, you know, yeah, giving the shit, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I said, you know, back in our day, I didn't have the vocabulary. When I look at it now, it's like, well, no, it's, it is about care, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's care for your, care for your community, right? Care for your organization, care for your colleagues, care for your customers, care for your family, your neighbors, right? Care for yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and care for yourself is critical. I think if you care for yourself, It'll it'll automatically grow into what you're talking about. I I mean, j not to uh, you know uh, jump in too much on, on, on your story, but um, one of the things that I noticed um, with your story is that once you had that moment with Jason, you began to care for yourself, and once you began to care for yourself and and love yourself and and uh, be kind to yourself, mm -hmm. that grew into you pouring that into your business and the rest of your life. And that's exactly, that's wonderful because that's what this is about. Like the content content is about those kind of things and um, that matching, you know, that kind yeah. of like, but it all starts, what I, what I love about your story and, and it's because it's true and it's real is that you can see you took care of you, the inside first, and that grew into what you're doing now, which is obviously way more fulfilling. You know, I didn't, I didn't mean to jump in, but I just wanted oh, to kind of throw that in a little bit because I mean, um, 
it, it's so important. I mean, you know, continue, man. I mean, but it's it's yeah. it's such a jewel because a lot of people are gonna say, well, how did you get to this? How did you get to that? But that first gigantic step is, you know, you you doing, you know, like I can speak for myself, you know, like doing doing therapy, doing that internal, you know, well, why do I behave this way? Why do I? What you know, you you dig in, and once you do that, you now have the resources. It's like you can't pull from an empty well, you know. So I feel like that period you're talking about, which is le- you leaned into that pain, which is something we talk about at Content Content. Yeah. You leaned into it, you kind of embraced it. Jay was a good friend, threw that out at you like, "Hey, man, go for it, do what you got to do," and that kind of sent you into this journey. Yeah. But you had to lean into that pain, you know? And if you'd never leaned into it and you it was it's it's the energy and it's something we talk about a lot too. The that pain was the energy for what you're doing. I mean, it's ugly, yeah. it's painful, it's terrible, but you know, uh, everything you said, the anger management, the this, the that, uh smoking two packs a day, all that energy is what you burned to light the path for what you're doing, you know, and I think it's wonderful, man. And I think no. uh, it applies to right now a lot, I think, because people in this situation, there's all that's going to come up, all your stuff. You're stuck at home. You're stuck with your significant other. You're, you're stuck with your family. That pain body, that that crazy stuff that you uh, ignore, you can't ignore it right now. And the bright light is. We're going to listen to the rest of Jay's story. I know it already. And that's why I wanted to jump in right here, because the bright light is that this moment, this virus, this shutdown, everything you're facing can become that fuel that Jay is going to talk about right now. Yeah. Well, and, and frankly, it has to. Yes. It has to. I mean, if we if we if we're to navigate our way out of this, you have to have a sense of purpose. Right. So. Because purpose is what drives, I mean, having that sense of purpose will help to feed hope, possibility, um, and also give you a sense of, of inspiration and empowerment that you can create the future that unfolds, right? That we are the creators of our future. Nobody can predict the future. You can look at probabilities based on things that are happening now, but you can never predict the future because our future is going to be determined by the interactions between us, right? Yeah. And whatever manifests and emerges from those interactions. Yeah. Well, right? we, so, can't, we can't count on AI right now. No, <laughs> it's con- AI is so confused right now. AI doesn't know what the hell is going on. It's There's like, going to be some rewriting of code coming out. Coming out. AI is like, what the hell is happening with their behavior? <laughs> what yeah, do I well, do? <laughs> so it's it's funny. It's funny though, right? Because because first of all, you know, to just sit here and say, you know, oh yeah, go find purpose. That's eh, easier said than done. Hell yeah. You know, when, when you look when you look at my when you look at my career path. You know, people would say, oh, my gosh, you've kind of everything you've done. You seem like you're all over the place. You've just changed careers so many times. The one consistent thread across my entire life has been my passion for behavioral science and really understanding people. I mean, this goes back to even back in the days when we met. I mean, look, I mean, yeah. oh gosh, I mean, I'll just say it right here. I mean, back in the 90s, I was doing so many so much acid going to nightclubs and doing all that stuff. And like it just I just started looking through a whole different lens of social behavior and everything else. It just allowed me to creatively kind of explore and think about like, you know, being so in tune to, to the minute details of just social cues. And but one innate thing um, that I always 
even even from the beginning that you've always had and you still do because i i believe that we all have like these innate qualities that they they don't move you know they're just who we are you were always a peacemaker always always like you know when me and jason were, were, were having issues you know not this jason the other jason that yeah. we got hopefully i can get him up here and i can convince him because i would love to do that um you were the peacemaker when when other people were having some some issue. You were the peacemaker. You've had that like um, it probably traces back to childhood or something. Like you've had that innate like um, first of all, you were you always sensitive to it to what's happening. You know, so I, I'm just co-signing what you're saying. Like you were always sensitive to um, people around you, the group you were in, um, what was happening with others. And why? And you were always so. What you're doing now, like in a sense, like you just said, you've always been doing it. It's just that you're doing it like on a on a bigger, more informed, um, more experienced scale. What you're talking about is empathy, right? Yeah. So, and, and 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 empathy is one of those things that you can you you. I mean, we all possess it. Um, with the exception of certain narcissists, narcissism, but um, but the. Uh, but you know, you, but it's but it's also being able to hone that tool, right? So I was always someone that um, I try to, I well, let's put it this way. I will, I will, I will say this. Back in those early days, and especially through my early days of sales and marketing, I think I was much more of a, a I was more of a social engineer in being able to try to manipulate the outcomes to whatever I wanted the outcome to be. And, and, and however, in that process, I gained a new tool, which was how to remove your sense of ego, your ego mm -hmm. out of the equation in order to achieve whatever your objectives are. So all too often, our egos get in our own ways of being able to accomplish the outcomes that we're trying to satisfy. And so when you, to your, to your point about, you know, one, it's, it's one thing to be empathetic to your environment and the people that are around you. But all too often, our own egos get in the way of being able to really drive harmony amongst the group, and to be able to draw to to arrive at a certain consensus to yeah. to find our path forward. And so I was always saying, "All right, I'll strip my ego out of this." And look, I mean, we have I have a running joke too. I mean, it's like I'm friends with all of my my exes, right? And it's like, well, I'm friends with all of my exes because I was just I just made sure that through the the process of our breakups that we still led with love. We still led with empathy. We made sure we had great communication, right? And you know, and and we wanted to make sure that whatever wherever we were going to, whatever the outcome of that relationship was going to be, even if it ends, that we still looked out for each other and we still wanted the best for each other. And so often, you know, in any kind of relationship, because at the yeah. core of the core of what we're talking about are all relationships. Whether it's interpersonal, your relationships with your community, your relationships with your company, your relationships with your country yeah, and with the yeah. world at large and your environment, right? And so all too often, what really when we focus on what it really means to connect and what does it really mean to cultivate strong, healthy, and sustainable relationships, well, it is about focusing in on, well, what are those collective needs, right? What are, how do we align with our values and our aspirations and what we want and co-create together, whether it means parting in a particular relationship or evolving the relationship into something new um, or starting a new type of relationship, it really does start with that foundation yeah. of alignment and aligning with your needs and your values and then designing that path forward. And so finding your sense of purpose 
right? It goes right back to what we're saying, aligning those needs, values, and aspirations. The next step from there, though, is really crystallizing for you what is your purpose based on what you need, value, and aspire in relationship to the world. And you have to put it into the context, into that context. And so for me, I was, I made, you know, as, I mean, as a, as a brand strategist and marketer, I mean, mm -hmm. I created my own personal brands and thinking about, well, what is my identity? What is my, what is my, what is the value I'm providing into the world? And it should be something that isn't just, you know, a lot of times we, we deal with this, oh, this is my personal life. This is my professional life. Um, if the one thing the virus is doing for sure, it's definitely shedding that, right? And I, and I like to, <laughs> one of the things for me that I always think of, uh, I was reading something uh, the other day and it was talking about the war within ourselves. So, and it takes it into the, the, the realm of the war within ourselves. So the selves you're talking about, your personal self, your work self, the work that you became in the house you grew up, you know, that self that you become when you, when you bump into your family and you're having a fathering yep. gathering, that's a whole nother self. And on and on and on, you know, the work self, the, the persona, if you're an artist, you know, that self. Yeah. Um, and when they're all at war with each other, you're at war with yourself. And you need to align, just like what you're saying, you align all that those selves to be one self the same guy, you know, like doing what you're doing is the same guy who's going shopping, you know, at the store is the same guy who's in a relationship with somebody. They're all the same guy. And um, I've seen that it's remarkable because I've noticed, you know, I've, I've observed other people um, where I've seen them in the workplace and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. You know, like, I mean. Some people uh, are can be very serious, you know, all the time, and then all of a sudden uh, they're at work, and you're like, "Who the hell?" They're like crazy, uh, you know, very outspoken, very this, you know, like you know, and and vice versa. You know, some people just turn into someone else when they get home with their family, and I think that is this is another great time right now to align those selves. You know, you're home, you've got time, you you don't have the distractions. You're not getting beat up uh, by by uh, by work, by commuting, all this stuff. Great time to align those selves. You know, back to you, Jay. Well, no, and you're saying is it's living your truth, right? Yes. It's living your truth. There you go, living your truth. Yes. And and uh, and so for me, I had to start putting words to what that truth was. And so for me, I, I start. I defined my purpose as improving lives through relationships and experiences. And, you know, that doesn't get into, you see, that doesn't get into specific how to do that, right? But it, it gives me that, it gives me that grounding to say, regardless of whether it's in a romantic relationship or professional relationship or with friends or with my community, my focus needs to be on improving lives through the relationships, right? And how I connect and the experiences that I deliver for people. And even in something as bad as, let's say, a breakup or a fallout of a business partnership, right? You you are focused on making sure that even even if even if you're parting ways that somehow the experience that they had with you improved their lives one way or another right that there was a whether something they learned something they took away and so moments they cherished right and then it was about how to define what my mission was and so my mission really did center around empowering people to be change agents for social good and sustainability. And that was really how I was going to live my purpose, right? And that was going to be the mission for how I delivered that purpose. And then it was, then what is the strategy for doing that? Right. And then for me, my strategies became, cause then the strategies became 
remember the second part of your purpose, right? Acquiring the skills, knowledge, and expertise mm-hmm. to be able to deliver on that vision. So I didn't want to dismiss all of my 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 experience and my career. And actually, going back to the UN, I was a one one defining moment for me. I remember I was just kind of I was this was the moment when I was kind of in that crossroads where I was. Just, I was so sick with what was happening in corporate America, and I was just ready to get out of the private sector and go into the public sector, go work for a nonprofit. What do you know? And I remember I was at a luncheon at the UN for at a conference. Coincidentally, I happened to be sitting next to uh, whoever I forgot his name. He was basically the director of private sector partnerships for the UN. So essentially, okay. because of all the bureaucracy at the UN, they lean on private sector independent partnerships to be able to help them innovate at faster paces to, you know, obviously to build, you know, to help the private sector be able to implement a lot of different UN strategies, things of that nature. And I remember kind of telling him how I was like, you know, ready to get out of marketing and getting out of business. And I remember him looking, he goes, you know, we need change agents in all sectors across society. He's like, I feel you would be doing yourself and the, and the world a disservice by abandoning your 20 year career and trying to do something completely new and really thinking about how do you facilitate change, you know, mm. within your own areas of expertise and your own career. Man, that is a jewel. I love that. That's so great. Like, listen, uh, I just wanted to stop there for a second because one of the things like when we have these great conversations, you know, we can just keep it's, it's almost like you drop a jewel and you keep running. It's like that is such a jewel. You know, that that right there is just awesome. It's like you might be in a situation right now where you're like i'm sick of this i'm sick of that and that and usually you know the normal human thing to do is like the hell with this i'm gonna do something else or i'm gonna open a new this or i'm just gonna take a course and and, and i'm gonna become some completely different but i love what you just said because it's it's not just throwing away everything you've worked hard for and, uh, as far as knowledge and experience it's saying hey You've got all this. Don't just throw that away. Be the change agent. Right. You know, you've got issues. You've got you don't like what's going on. Maybe you can be that person within this thing that you're saying or or feeling from your experience is just a mess, and and you, yeah. you're sick of it. Man, that is a jewel because it's not normal. That thinking you just said it it is not. Uh, you won't find that in many conversations. Your, that advice he gave you was unique, and I think uh, it, it came at a right moment, you know. And and thank you for sharing that because that I just really absorbed that. That is really powerful. And I'm gonna I'll give you I'll give you another one that I got from another one of my mentors. Um, one of my mentors, Joe Brewer. You 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 know, you'll see him posting. We'll post on each other's Facebook stuff. I mean, he's one of the most brilliant people I've met. And I mean, he's, as it is now, he's down in Colombia building like regenerative cultural, like culture the regenerative models for for uh for 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 developing communities in a more sustainable and resilient way in Colombia. i mean he's the work you're doing is phenomenal but he told me a, he gave me a great he gave me a, a a great uh jewel just just like the 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 guy at the un i remember when i was struggling to kind of think about because i mean obviously after hearing that i was kind of reframing my thinking about okay how do i focus in the work that i'm doing and how do i really start to affect change here and, you know, and I really started pivoting my last company, Burner Marketing, in that direction. And I was just struggling because, I mean, I started out as a marketing consultancy firm. Now I'm into change management and cultural development. And, and I, 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 the way I was, I was framing up my messaging was based on what my passion was and, and using all the language that I have learned. But that wasn't necessarily resonating with business leaders. 
And nor did they have the funding to say, yeah, we're going to build a sustainable business. Whatever, you know, like we still have to focus on quarterly earnings and <laughs> profitability. Yeah, you all had these to kind of things. like, yeah, I see what you're saying. You had to kind of like figure out how to fit in. Like all of a sudden you, you're the elephant in the room all the time. Right. So how do you right. fix that? You know? Yeah. And, uh, and I remember Joe said to me, he goes, you need to find your Trojan horse. Mm. And I thought, He's on to something. I was like, yeah. So what I realized was it's, it was it goes back to aligning needs, values, and aspirations. Well, what are the needs, values, and aspirations of the big corporation, right? And how do we get them to recognize that, well, to be more sustainable, it's also going to lead to greater profitability, right? And so that's when I started going down the road of change mm -hmm. management, customer experience, essentially getting to a place where there was this realization, especially doing, spending a lot, doing a lot of time at the UN, um, that our pathway to sustainability was through uh, building socially conscious organizations and getting businesses to be able to innovate and operate in a more sustainable way and using tools like empathy and emotional intelligence, um, you know, organizational, and, uh, organizational design and collaboration, right? really improving the relationships between people to really drive efficient and effective innovation strategies to be yeah. more agile and adaptive and ultimately building organizational resiliency. Yeah. So it was like here, um, here, here, you can, you can add this component that I'm bringing, but, and, and at the same time, you can still be successful. You can still do well. And Hey, you know what? Maybe you might even do better in the long run by investing in this, in this way now, because it, it, you know what I think it, it can do it also as a, for a company, you know, a lot of stuff comes off fake for companies. It's, it's, you know, you see it, it's going to, you know, buy, the, buy this and then you're going to be happy, blah, blah, blah. You know, that whole thing. I mean, sure. It, it, it works to a large extent, but like you said, you know, like it, it fine tuning it and saying, all right, you're going to still kind of sell something like that, an emotion, but you're going to be backing it up too. And that might, be that much better for you, you know? So yeah. yeah, that was brilliant, you know? And I, and I think that can work in, I mean, that worked in your situation, but I think, uh, the millions of situations out there, it, it can work also to yeah. think, think on those terms, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and so I want to, I, I do want to bring it back to personal resiliency now. Right. So I've kind of laid out kind of where I've kind of taken my own path and that career to build organizational resiliency, but to build organizational resiliency starts with individual resiliency. Right. I mean, organizations, a collective of people. Right. And that can scale up to city, community levels, country levels, global levels. Right. Um, so let's bring it back to hip hop. All right. All right so hold on. <laughs> if we're gonna do that, uh, we're gonna have to do that the right way, though. Okay, here we go. You know what? No, this is a, this is old. This is mass vinyl, man. This is mass vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Shock therapy. My memory's slipping, man. Yeah, listen. Mine too. <laughs> uh, if I didn't have it in front of me with the title and everything, I. I I made it and I probably would do the same thing. <laughs> Alright, so let's take it back I to I love those yellow beats you make, man. Oh, they're great. Thanks, man. Um, God, you're just bringing me back now. <laughs> so, so, yeah, when I, so let's talk about hip-hop for a second. Because there's obviously there's a lot of people who know me that just don't know what I was like growing up. Right? Mm -hmm. they, they know me in a professional setting. But 
hip hop is ingrained in everything that I do. I mean, hip hop is what shaped me. Hip hop is what influenced my worldview. And, you know, and, and so, you know, another little jewel I remember getting, and this was, you know, this was, this was, and this wasn't that, it was probably, well, I'm saying that wasn't that many years ago. This was only probably about 15 years ago. But, <laughs> but I, I remember I was listening, I think it was like, it was probably listening to some show on Hot 97 or something. Mm. And I forgot, you know, I, I forgot who was talking. Um, might have even been like somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody, right? It was, and I remember, that, you know, they're saying, they were talking about hip hop and they were saying, you know, when it comes to hip hop, you know, you need to think beyond just being like a rapper or a producer, right? It's like, or being in fashion. Like, we need hip hop everywhere, right? We need that hip hop mindset to change the discourse, you know, of, of how we value people, how we support each other as a society, how we uplift communities. And so you need to have hip hop as lawyers. You need to have hip hop as doctors, right? You need to have hip hop as business leaders. And, and what that really means Right. So let's really get at what we what it means to be hip hop and say, I am hip hop. Right. I mean, just to quote KRS-One. Right. I am hip hop. And but what does that mean? Because, you know, you've heard people like KRS-One. I mean, going back to the early days. Right. Yeah. You know, rap, you know, rap is the music. Hip hop is the culture. Yeah, rap, rap is, is something you do. Hip hop is something you something live. You live mm -hmm. Right. So. That shaped me so much. I mean, let's remember, I'm a culture designer. That stems from my roots in hip hop culture. Yeah, you saw it play out. Well, and here's, here's what was fascinating about hip hop culture. How it scaled globally in such a rapid way and consumed popular culture. Still. Still. And, and so let's, let's, let's dissect that a little bit. Why? Like why why hip hop? Like why all of a sudden did hip hop? Like you know, it's it's hard, right? It, it can be hard for people like us who were in it, and obviously, arguably, some of the pioneers in it, to write to kind of shape how it was unfolding. But then once it kind of took off, right? Well, first of all, hip hop was born from adversity, right? It was born from the streets. It was born from a, it was born from communities that you know that were living in in disparity. Right, that didn't have the means yeah. to re, you know to reach the certain social and corporate. Yeah. South South Bronx is burning. That's South where Bronx was born. Is burning, right? That's where it was born. So, and let's remember too, you're dealing with you're dealing with. I mean, it was gangland, right? So you had yeah. all you know, all gangs were warring across the city at that time, mm -hmm. and but there was still this there was still this core that said, well, we need to, we need to figure out a positive path forward. Like, what does our what does it look what does the future look like? And so those early innovators, all right, around hip hop culture, were trying to figure out positive outlets. They were trying to figure out positive outlets for youth, right? Get them off the streets. You know what? Put down the guns and battle in a circle. You know what I mean? Like whether you're a b-boy, whether you're a rapper, whatever it is, like use those as your weapons, right? Gotcha. Let that be what challenges you. And so what did that start to do? We started to put away the violence and we started using communication verbal and physical communication to challenge you to compete to align to also at the same time find camaraderie right and to, to create a whole new tribe and amongst that tribe came new values new ways of looking at the world right new style new new language right new ways of living and and that camaraderie that community that tribal that tribal essence of hip-hop is essentially became it became replicable 
right? That, mm. you know, being coming, you know, that when you look at the essence of hip hop, I mean, let's just go, let's go Zulu on this, right? Peace, love, unity, and having fun. Yeah. Right? Peace, love, unity, and having fun is transferable to any culture because it starts to tap into our innate human needs. And when you start to strip away things like consumerism and all the things that money can afford from a culture that was born from no money, yeah. you start to get more at your, your innate human needs of really recognizing that, no, I, you know, at, at the essence of who we are as people, yes, we need to satisfy our physiological needs, right? Home, shelter, food, right? Um, but then it is about our sense of love and belonging and, and building our self-esteem right and finding self-actualization and having yeah. a purpose somewhere hip-hop did that for so many i can say i i that's me you know it did hip-hop hip gave purpose to people that lost hope yes and it also gave an out it was an outlet you know like for like someone like me like i'm i've developed much more socially you know in, in my in my 40s yeah and uh but i was you know me i was quiet i just sat down i made beats uh my beats had to speak for me and, uh, and, and, and that's from growing up, you know, what the way I grew up and how I grew up. And that is in that time, you know, we were the latchkey kids, you know, and it was, it was a completely different grow up and we didn't form our voices. So hip hop gave me that voice and, um, through the music where I didn't have to use my voice because I didn't really, I never developed my, my, my voice. And it took me a long time to do that. Um, so I totally, yeah. And I, and I, and I love, you know, any, any of your, uh, the guys you work with watch this, they're going to be like, really? They're going to be very surprised, but I think it's, it's awesome that you, you tied it in and I couldn't agree more. And, and yeah, I can I mean, see how it informed knowing you. I can see how it informed your business. Um, you used it as a model and it makes perfect sense. And, uh, I'm pretty sure you're, you're in good company of a lot of people who did the same. Well, and, it, and and thank you. The um, you know, the 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 when you think about people who came up from the streets into hip hop, I mean, what hip hop did was it gave community, right? It gave a sense of community. It, it helped to validate people's sense of self worth that they actually had something to contribute, right? And that they were to contribute because we we're we're driven for the need of social acceptance, right? Whether you like to admit it or not, right? Like we all. Right. We're all social beings. We yeah. all need to have some sort of acceptance. The, the challenge is just to figure out how to do that in a healthy way. Correct. Correct. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit back here and not say that, you know, when you look at how hip hop culture started and how it evolved, that it wasn't, you know, just, you know, it was, you know, there was definitely uh, toxic masculinity. You filtered it. You filtered yeah. it. You, yeah. you took the good and you, yeah. you, you, you ate the meat and you spit out the bones. Yeah. yeah. But it's like any culture, right? There's good yeah. and bad in any culture. Hip hop culture mm -hmm. is the same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Right? You can look across any popular culture and you can find all of these things. Absolutely. Right? Um, so culture is just dynamic in that way. But the fact that it was able to replicate and then scale globally. So, you know, think about our think about the old days of like going to like Rocksteady reunions or Zulu Nation anniversaries. Yeah, yeah. Had, when you had B-boy crews from all over the globe. I mean, you remember when Rocksteady Japan would come into the city and it was like Rocksteady Japan's here or Rocksteady Believe it or not, Korea. that still lives. Yeah. I, sh I share my, the videos with you sometimes. Yeah. It's alive. You see my son still yeah. alive. Yeah, oh, beast. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to uh, cut you off, but we have to keep it under an hour okay. for upload reasons. All right. It gets crazy once. We're at like 51 We're minutes. We're at 51. But I really, really... This is, I want you to please 
you know, with, from all your experience and thank you for sharing. Like, cause I, I love the, I mean, you, you, you made it really personal and I loved that. And, uh, I think that that is going to resonate with, with people. And that is the main goal of this show and what we're doing. Um, can you, you know, as much as you understand, um, and I love that we didn't get political. We're just talking about the matters of the heart and stuff. Kind of just give some advice to people watching about right now. What's the best way? Some whatever, whatever's on your heart. Because I know how you are, and I know you've been thinking about this. So yeah. So, I, 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 first of all, I don't want to. Um, I'm a I'm a pra I'm a practical optimistic. <laughs> um, so this is the reality of the situation, and I'm just going to give it. I'm going to give it to everybody straight. Cool. Yeah. Um, we have we have we have some very challenge. We we most likely right because nothing's predictable. But based on what the what is being signaled from from right now from the world, we're probably heading for some pretty dark times as a country. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's it, and and we are going to be challenged in ways that this generation has never been challenged before. So I think the first thing is be conscious of your own biases around um, thinking that things will somehow go back to normal, or to think that things will be fine in a few months, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first step to building resiliency. This isn't about, this isn't about giving up hope, right? But it is about being grounded in reality, right? Yes. So that you can be well-equipped and you can prepare yourself for what's mm -hmm. going to happen, right? So it's about having a bit of foresight and, 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 and regardless of all of the noise that's out there, um, things will eventually get better. Right. We as, as a species, we're pretty resilient. And if there's any hope or possibility I want to shed for people, appreciate that this is the first time in human history that we have globally aligned around a common purpose. And that alignment of a common purpose will manifest a new consciousness that we don't know yet. But arguably, that consciousness is a way of, of, of will probably align us a, a lot more than we did historically, just because we are all being confronted right, with, with, with this pandemic. As an individual, I think you, you, it's important for everybody right now because especially for those in isolation, right, staying very in touch with your emotions. Whatever you're going through right now, it's okay. If you wanna make a joke and laugh about it, that's okay. If you're angry, it's okay. If you wanna just grieve and cry, it's okay, right? Yeah. It's, it's all okay, mm -hmm. right? But be empathetic to each other. We're all going to be going through different emotions at different times and for different reasons, right? This is a personal journey, even though it's a shared journey, okay? Um, so just be empathetic to what we're all going through. Um, and also recognize that we are, we are sharing in this vulnerability, right? Nobody has all the answers, you know? And, and, and when you're dealing with a future that is unknown and that is uncertain, that causes a lot of anxiety. I mean, a lot of the stresses and anxiety that people are going through right now is the uncertainty. We like to be in control of our environment. We have to have, yeah. you know, have no way to plan accordingly. I think that's so, big. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, part of my own personal resiliency is I think I've, I've for the past 10 years, and don't get me wrong, it's been 10 years since I've been really developing it. Then I, I think of it like a muscle. Um, it's figuring out how to be adaptive, not knowing what the future is going to be. And really just adapting to the future that's kind of unfolding in front of you. And so some of this is also about changing your mindset from what you value and what you think is important, right? And so like for some examples, mm -hmm. so just very clear things that yeah, I've yeah. um, which actually I haven't even shared with you and I think this is the first time I'm really kind of sharing publicly, 
But I'm actually moving back to Cornwall. I'm moving back to my hometown. Wow. Um, I just had an offer accepted on a house yesterday. Um, but I'm doing this as a means. So what I did was I actually liquidated my life insurance policies, took out the cash from that. I'm putting it into the house, trying to pay off the house as, 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 as quickly as possible. So I'm not dependent on a mortgage, right? I am also going well septic solar. So I, I don't, I'm reducing my dependencies on the system itself. So if things do start to crumble, you know, I'm reducing my dependencies and I'm adjusting my, my means, right? Recognizing that there is a good chance that I'm not going to achieve the financial rewards that I once did. And so now I'm reeling back, you know, and thinking about like, what do I really want to spend my money on? Where do I want to invest? I've, got, I've gotten to a point now where within the next year, I will have reduced all of my expenses to under $3,000 a month, right? Which gives me just a lot more flexibility and resiliency to be able to kind of work in certain capacities, right? And be able to achieve yeah. the level of income that I need in order to sustain myself, right? So we talk about sustainability. This is what we're talking about, yeah. right? And how to thrive amidst all this change that is unknown. Mm -hmm. So don't try to go back to the, the values of yesteryear. Think about what your values are going to be moving forward and what your needs are going to be moving forward and what your aspirations are moving forward. And then acquire the skills, knowledge, and expertise to achieve that vision. And that's how you find your sense of purpose. And that's how you build resiliency. Amen. Man. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to watch this episode a few times because I know that you – you probably dropped some jewels and, and kept running a few times. And I want to, I want to unpack that stuff and thank you for that. Um, man, it was great, man. I had, tons of, I had a lot of fun. Um, and, and I'm, I'm positive, uh, you know, this is going to help people. And, uh, I hope a lot of people watch it. Um, you know, not just for views, but like, I really believe, you know, that, that what we're doing at content content and, um, bringing bringing you on and and people like you i i know that it's going to help people you know because these are good conversations and they're not the toxic ones that we're we're being bombarded with and i think we need this this type of voice more than ever right now you know and, and i will just say you know with the exception of your show practicing a little social media distancing does the body good too and the yeah. mind <laughs> yeah for sure no for sure i'm i'm, I'm doing that too yeah yeah. Sure. Well, thank you, Jay. Um, I'm. We're gonna wrap it up. Uh, let's let's wrap it up with some more, some more. Uh, let's do it. Let's see some more tunes. Some of the shock beats. Yeah, this is uh from back in the day too. It's an old release. So on on that note, bobbing our heads, we're gonna wish you all a wonderful day, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Peace, love. All right, man.